Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Racing with Roman, new special project here on the In the Money Media Network. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again, turning our attention to South Florida, South Florida, where the co-host slash sponsor of this program is at the moment. He is, of course, Lawrence P. Roman. Larry, what's going on, man? Oh, Peter, you know, I watch TV and I hear about the terrible weather across the nation, which I feel terrible about. Uh, I mean, some of these people are freezing. They're going to be freezing, if not. And it's it's very ironic that here it's 82 degrees, beautiful sky. And then I'm thinking that Ron DeSantis, the governor, is over in Iowa where it's going to be 28 degrees below zero uh, with the wind chill. But weather's weather and we have no choice. I'm just very happy to be here. And for those who aren't in this great weather, I, I really do feel for you because I lived in New York my whole life and I know how cold it is there. Uh, that's why I escaped. Uh, but everything is good. Mild enough today, but there is some serious stuff uh, coming in as far as that goes. Want to start off, Larry, by looking back at last week, basically to give you props, man. Uh, Not something I think you would have brought up on your own, but the fact of the matter is we talked about four races. One of them doesn't even count because it got so cut up with scratches. But for the other two races, two of the other races, that first one we talked about at Gulfstream, that was a cold exacta, very nice price. It came back that you gave out. Good shout to the horse that ran third, two for the tri-players. But how about uh, the conversation we had about the race at Aqueduct on Sunday last week where the 10 to 1 you gave out was cold to the only other horse you talked about in the race. I'm sure that was a pretty nice betting result for you as well. Yeah, well, you know, what's really funny is right after the podcast, I get a call from Dave Jacobson. So I'm like, oh, okay, what what is it? Calls me up, he says, I think we should scratch the horse because there's a 40 claim. I said, are you nuts? Are you crazy? This horse is, you know, is going to run great. Why? Why? Uh, so I convinced him not to scratch the horse. Uh, what I did tell him is because I do know my horses, their styles. And to me, that's such a big part of the game. You can't take a horse out of his style. Now, Laughing Boy wants to be uh, on the outside stalking a horse. He doesn't want to be on the lead, and he doesn't want to come from behind with cover. He's just not... He just wants to be in a certain spot. I've watched this horse. I've known this horse like he's, like he's a child of mine. Uh, but Dave had him so ready that when the gate opened, he just blew out of the gate. And I'm going, oh, my God, what is he doing? But he wasn't asking him. He just blew out of the gate. And then on the turn, he starts opening up five or six lanes. And I'm saying to myself, what's going on here? Because I expected him to start to slow down because he likes competition. Well, he kept going. The only horse that came on was the five, who was the one I was worried about. And he was second by three lengths. And they called me up afterwards and said I was wrong, that he was wrong, that, yeah, this horse really uh, can compete in that class. So it was exciting. It was an exciting race. But I'm hoping the next time we get to show your stalking style, and I don't care whether it's that class or even the 80s, I think if he has his stalking style, he's going to win. Uh, all right, that's my sermon on, on my horse. <laughs> the, the triple was good. You know, it's a tough game here. It's, uh, I think, even tougher racing at uh, Gulfstream Park. 
Uh, let's talk a, a, a bit about Heisa. Is that okay? Yeah, I'd love to. I was going to ask you because I know you mentioned off air about a meeting that you had. How did that come about? And what's your impression of the general direction that Heisa is going here? All right. Well, Joe Applebaum uh, called me and asked me, uh, apparently there's a panel that's looking into uh, Heisa and uh, and uh, how we can make the, the industry safer. And he said, you know, I have a big mouth, so <laughs> we talk. But I really don't. I, I like to be very respectful uh, to all the people. Uh, you know, my whole life I worked for government, and I happen to love working for the government. I, I found, in general, government works a lot harder than people realize, and they're a lot more honest. And, you know, they're never trying to squeeze your last dollar. They just want you to do the proper job. Uh, so uh, I said, look. I'll be happy to say, but I'm going to tell the truth. And, you know, my honest opinion was that in horse racing, more than virtually any other sport, we take care of our athletes. And you look at it, our horses generally run once a month. They go out and jog and have a wonderful time during the rest of the month. They have vets taking care of them every day, uh, watching them, making sure everything is, is good. When you look at the uh, number, just go by statistics, deaths are down somewhere around 50% in the last 10 years. If I recall, the number is somewhere around 350. Okay, that sounds like a lot. But I said, you have to remember one thing. In horse racing, if a horse breaks his leg, the horse is put down. And I asked the, the person who was interviewing me, I said, do you know how many people break their legs each year in the United States. And of course he had no clue. I said, six million. I said, so when you think about that, and these horses are, are competing at 40 miles per hour at full speed, stuff is going to happen. Now we don't want it to happen and we should take every precaution not to have it happen. But I think we're doing that. And so Heisa, uh, nothing against Heisa, really. I, I think, what they're doing now, in my opinion, is they're pretty much staying away. Let us do our thing. Uh, listen to us. And, you know, it, probably the biggest problem that people face with ICE is the fact that it's private and it costs money. Brings purses down. It's going to hurt the smaller racetracks. But as far as the people with HISA and what they're doing, I have nothing against them. I just, quite frankly, don't see the need for it when we have a sport that not only that, Pete, when a horse retires in the past, okay, you know, they were slaughtered or whatever. We now have farms. We have people taking care of these horses. They have retirement farms, which is the right thing. And we don't let our horses get slaughtered, especially the champions. Yet in the United States, I don't know. I think the, the numbers like 900,000 horses are slaughtered. But they're not racehorses. Right. So if I was a ra if I was a horse, I would definitely want to be a racehorse as opposed to one of the other horses that are around. So that's just my opinion, but I'm gonna say what I feel. And I think a lot of the horsemen that whisper feel the same way. You know, it's like we do the right thing. And you look at football, okay, there's a sport with people involved, tremendous athletes. Have you ever watched a pro football game where somebody's not injured? <laughs> Probably not. 
Okay. So there's always these injuries, yet nobody's talking about banning football. I think it's an incredibly exciting sport. It's just, it's one part of the game. Now you do what you can with helmets. You do what you can with training, stretching, all that. But at the end of the day, we're living a life. And we, there is some risk in everything we do. And I think what we've done uh, in horse racing is bring down that risk year after year after year. So as far as I'm concerned, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. It's interesting. I mean, Heisa have so many different mandates. I think they've definitely seized upon safety because there is, you know, the message that you're giving is very different, I think, than the message that a lot of the general public have. So maybe from a Heisa point of view, it's less about coming up with new safety protocols. If we think the ones that are in place are largely working, certainly when you look to a state like California, maybe part of their message or mission should be to get that message out a little more effectively and sort of change people around. I mean, I like what you're saying, that if you were a horse, you'd want to be born a racehorse. And I think that's tough to argue with based on the, the, the treatment we see horses get in this day and age, both from a, a, a care during their racing careers and all the improvements in, in aftercare. I just don't think that many people know about this stuff and it's a perceived problem. And that's what heists are looking into. Are these conversations you expect to continue? Are you willing to essentially be a, a free consultant to them to help keep the sport on the right path? Well, you know, I, I say my thing, but uh, that's my opinion. But you have people that are such great spokespeople. Uh, Acacia Clement, I'm giving you as an example. I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched some of the videos they have. Uh, NYRA, which does of a course. phenomenal job. And, and you see her with the horses, the retired horses. There's somebody, I mean, that should be a spokeswoman, a spokesperson, for our sport. Uh, and we have quite a few others. Uh, you know, Maggie is fantastic and a, quite a few others. And we should be spending a lot of money. Okay. When they take out one and a half percent on a claiming, I don't care if they make it two and a half percent. Who cares? We don't really care. We do it because we love the game and use that money to go on these stations like, I don't know, MSNBC or CNN or whatever. And, and, and actually show what we do, how we take care of these horses, all the grooms, all the people involved, all the middle class and lower class people that are we're paying benefits to, doing a great job. These people love their horses. So I'm really proud to be part of, of, of horse racing, but I think we do a horrible job, a horrible job of promoting how great our sport is. Again, that's just my opinion. It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. And Acacia certainly is amazing, the work she does with her charity, Racing for Home. Obviously, she has a podcast here on uh, the In the Money Network that's more industry-facing. But I, but I take the point that an organization like HISA, you know, to try to amplify some of that messaging that's out there um, from from groups that are already producing it. But I do think you're probably right, Larry. A lot of times when we're putting out these positive messages, we are speak, we are preaching to the choir a little bit right. and trying to, if, if HISA has some way to try to get that to more of a national audience with the right type of spokespeople, that's something that's only going to redound to the sports benefit in the long run. Right. And that's what I hope they do. I love this sport. You love this sport. All, all of us involved in this sport know what the truth is and love this sport. But the general public, they don't know. They just see or hear about the champion that Barbaro broke his leg or 
uh, you know, uh, uh, what was the name of the Mel horse? Uh, Montreal Mel. Or Maple what? Leaf Mel, sure. Maple Leaf Mel. Uh, she was unbelievable. I mean, it was, I broke, it broke my heart. I don't want to say it didn't. Of course it did. It's didn't. just the tragedy of the sport, and it happens, and we just have to accept it and, again, just make it as few times as possible, whatever we can do, which we are doing, and then just have to accept it, just like in driving cars and, and everything else in life, there's always risk. I'm happy to hear about Joe Applebaum being involved in, in any way, even in some sort of softer consulting role with Heisen, just because he's somebody who really gets it, somebody who's been on the gambling side, on the ownership side, worked with the New York Horsemen for all those years. Uh, you know, I know he's obviously left that position and is working on some other uh, stuff now, but it, it's great to hear that if he has the ear of people at Heisa and is involved, like they're listening to the right people. And if they're bringing in people like you who've had a life in the game and, you know, have have your understanding of how things work. That's right. I, I, I don't like the idea. And I think just in the early days of Heisa, there was maybe a little bit of a marketing problem there where it seemed like they were acting kind of independently. The more they can involve the, the, the rank and file of horsemen and the more direct communication they can have on backsides, boy, and talking to people like Joe and people like you, that's the path to success. And I love to hear that that's happening. Obviously, there's going to be growing pains with something like this. But your story today, Larry, left me more optimistic, um, even if you didn't agree specifically with, you know, the the exact initiative you were being consulted about was was as big a problem as they thought it was. I think that, that they're talking to the right people, and that's going to have a positive effect. Great. Now that let's get to the races because we have gamblers that are listening to this. We're going to go, Roman, shut up already. Let's get to the races. We're going to start off at Gulfstream with race number three. 109 Eastern is the scheduled post time for this $35,000 claimer going seven furlongs on the dirt. We have a scratch here which bummed you and I out because we were both going to probably try to take a swing against the number two Catton. He will not compete. We're left with a field of six. Who are the runners of interest in here? Okay, so I, I had this. The reason I selected this race is because I thought there were two favorites that I didn't like. The two I really didn't like, and he was 72 in the morning line. <laughs> and uh, I just didn't see any way that this horse could be there. He's dropping down, but he hasn't shown anything. Uh, and then we had the four horse who had a Rat Ortiz Jr., who never won a race for me, but I still say he's the greatest rider of all time. Uh, and so he's off a claim, but I didn't like his last race. So I don't think, you know, I thought this was a good bet against horse. Of course, when horses are claimed, you never know. Sometimes they change tremendously, but I just didn't like it. So that's why I picked the horse. And the horse I like, and I'm not saying the horse is going to win, but I think the horse is definitely going to be there, is Doc Amster. And the reason is very simple. Uh you look at his races, his last race, and this is one thing I don't like what jockeys do. Uh, you have the rail, you break slowly, and then they give you that inviting opening, and these jockeys push, push, push to get up on the inside, and that really tires them out. Where I don't know how to ride a horse, but I know the right way to ride a horse. And in that case, I feel Gaffleone should have just let them go. He broke slowly, let them go, and try to come at the end. But he pushed himself. The horse didn't want to be on the lead. The horse stopped. Now, take away that race, and you look at the other races, uh, 
And in a higher class, he was running 76, 81 buyers. He finished second in uh, this class, uh, three starts back, uh, a good second. Again, this is beaten 35, so nobody has won in the last seven months. So I think this horse, six to one, very competitive. (coughs) And it should be right there. Uh, Then you have the horse Game Boy Benny. Do you remember Benny the Bull? Of course. The IEAH and uh, Dutro back in those days. Uh, So he's by Benny the Bull. He was claimed for 20. Uh, They moved him up to 25 beat. He was six to one from the outside. Broke, was wide, battled in a good race, finished second, beat the third horse by four and a half lengths. He's going to outrun his odds, no doubt. And then, of course, good old Willie Boy. Willie Boy's always there. Uh, I think he's, uh, he think now it's only a six-horse field. He'll be coming at the end, but I think it's going to be too hard for him to get there. So, personally, I would box three, six, seven, uh, and just take a chance that Errat Ortiz is that this horse does not improve on the claim and you know these are price horses and i would focus on the three horse yeah so he's going to be a good price and hopefully he's going to have a a trip where he's not on the lead where he's just off the pace from the inside and just hold his own at the end might finish second might finish third that's my opinion on that race what say you I'm with you on Doc Amster, though. I think just looking at pace figures, there is a chance he'll be um, he'll be up there on the lead. But maybe can if that's the way it unfolds, can go slow enough. I don't mind the trip you envision at all, where he could just get a forward position, maybe get a lead into the race from one of these others and, and finish. I, I think he is definitely the most interesting horse. I'm with you about being against Celestial Gaze maybe, or Glaze. Maybe I'm looking too much into this, but I just don't like the fact that they took him. He came back off the layoff last time, and he wasn't protected in that first start back. Uh, and with a rat up, I, I almost feel like maybe there was a little bit of a for sale sign on him the last day. And I was willing to let him beat me in this spot. One runner that you didn't mention that I'll, I'll mention, I don't know what kind of trip this horse is going to get, might end up being in another bad spot, but I just have excuse after excuse for number one, float on in this spot. I thought the last day was just kind of buried down on the inside. I didn't love the trip he got there. Over his head, two back. I thought, you know, didn't break well and was wide, three back. Uh, four back had meaningful trouble at a critical point in the race. Now, some horses accumulate excuses because they're not athletic enough to stay out of trouble. But there was some part of me thinking that float on was just going to be a little bit better odds than he should be. And he was one I wouldn't mind personally mixing into the trifectas with runners like your three, your six, and your seven. Uh, do you agree with me that that was potentially a negative about another negative about Celestial Glaze, that coming back unprotected as an owner who plays the claiming game? Is that... Is that a negative in and of itself, or is it more the other points you made? No, I, I agree with you. I think he, you know, he went backwards in the stretch. He was third. He ended up fifth with really no excuse. Uh, you know, I, have I seen horses like this off a claim win? Yeah. I mean, all the time it happens. Yep. But I just know with Irad always gets overbet because of he's a rat. Yeah. Uh, and so I like to get prices. So I see Doc Amster at six to one. Your horse float on. 
I think has a shot for a piece. Yeah. Not my kind of horse, just an evenly horse. And he came from the Diodoro bond. And I think Diodoro, as you know, is one of the greatest trainers, a uh, fantastic guy. Uh, and Diodoro couldn't get him to win in the 40. So uh, I don't think this horse, I think he'll might get third. I just don't think he's going to, uh, beat Willie Boy and uh, Doc Amster and, and uh, the Six Horse as well. So we'll see. Listen, it's 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 a good race. I wish the other horse was in. I wish he wasn't scratch, but it is what it is. And so we'll go with what we got. Let's zip ahead, my friend, to race number six, where we've got a three-year-old maiden special weight going six furlongs on the dirt. One of the top choices, or who I think would have been one of the top choices in here, was number three. Top Gun Rocket, the horse that has all the workout buzz seemingly from reading uh, the daily racing form and, and, and looking at their uh, clocker report, is number five, Turn Up the Trees, the son of Liam's map out of a smart strike dam, regally bred, but a terrific looking workout from the gate just the other day on January 6th, outworking another horse in this race, the number four, Maximus Speed. Um, are you with or against the favorite, Turn Up the Trees in the spot? Well, you know, this is a race. It, I picked it out because it really is interesting. Uh, so you look, let's take a look at maximum speed. Who are the owners? 1720 Racing, which I don't know. You might know. And Rapoli Stable. Now, Rapoli is usually with Vinny Viola, and they fight over who's the top, <laughs> top name on the you know, uh, whose colors they could use, whatever. This horse is, they paid $75,000. Now, I'm sure Rapoli didn't need a partner for a $75,000 horse. Now, what else do I see? I see a Rat Ortiz Jr. is on him versus the five. So is it because Rapoli and a Rat are so close together? Is that why? Normally, you would think Pletcher would put up Rad number one over Velasquez. I know he uses them both. I don't know. I mean, as far as horses go, I mean, I love Liam's map. I love Smart Strike on the damn side. $500,000 yearly. I mean, this horse, I think there was a Liam's map the other day that also blew through the doors. Uh, I don't remember the name of the horse. He was fantastic. So, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that, yeah, this five is going to destroy this field but i just i don't know what to do with the four do i throw him out uh and just figure that uh he was beaten by the five so he's not going to be here if i do i look out at the 11 horse sicilian defense you know what sicilian defense means i think that's from chess isn't it yeah right right <laughs> so i'm a chess player <laughs> Does it involve castling? I feel that that's the thing that flashes in my right. mind. See, I used to play right. chess. Then I discovered horse racing, and I was and I was ruined for <laughs> chess and every other game. But I used to love chess. They're very similar. They're all about logic. Whether it's chess or, or horse racing, it's all about logic. And so uh, people who like chess should like horse racing and vice versa. So he's an Uncle Mo out of a Giants Causeway mare. You got John D. Gunther as the owner, Gaffley owned. So my my sense is 
this is going to come. This is going to be a five eleven cold exacta. Five eleven cold exacta. What do you think? I like where you're going with that. I'm I'm definitely buying the hype on turn up the trees. Another little interesting fact is that John Velasquez was up for that workout the other day. You know, maybe this is one where uh, where, where he and his agent are are thinking there's an outside chance of this becoming a, a derby type course. You know, uh, given the price tag and and the connections. So if that hype is right, this horse in the wind pool is going to probably be unbettable. This is the kind of situation where maybe I'd like to try to get alive with this as the third race in the pick three where it's blind to uh, the, the betters and blind to uh, to the computers that react so much to that money in the win market. I don't know that the horse is going right. to be any value in the in the win pool, but this is one that I'm going to try to get cute and, and have some combinations alive to because I think there's a real chance that turn up the trees is just the real deal, and I, and I think you've identified the right danger. Uh, I probably won't mess around with the exact, except maybe out of deference to you, I'm going to try to find a way where I can just get a little something back if turn up the trees wins. Anything else on this sixth race before we pivot? No, just one quick question. So going to maximum maximum speed, why would that? I just can't figure this source out. Why would this be this? Did you ever hear of 1720 Racing? No, I haven't heard of either of the other owners, Jackpot Farm being the other. My best guess is, I think, you know, Rapoli is a guy who, he loves a crew. He's very, like, team-oriented. Yeah. You see his approach to Bloodstock. Maybe these are just friends of his, just people he wants to wants to be involved with or get involved more in the game. I really do think okay. he has that ambassadorial mindset. We'll have to dig behind the scenes and get the right answer. But yeah, I, it, it certainly ain't for the money that he's part of this, but I do think there's other reasons why just from a like fun and friendship and camaraderie point of view that he might want to be involved uh, in, in a runner like this. I'm going to be a, a, a bit literal about that workout report on this one and leave the horse out of the mix. But I, I think that's, it, it is certainly an interesting I, uh, jockey booking with a rat Ortiz in there. And, and you know, who th- th- there's probably some story or politics going on behind the scenes, but I I'm only speculating really. Okay. I'm ready for the eighth. Let's talk about it. This race we did talk about in another show because it's part of the all turf pick three today. 3.37 is the scheduled post time for this uh, three-year-old allowance race on the grass. We're going a mile and a 16th, and we have a horse in here who we talked about on last week's show, was entered in the Limehouse Stakes. This was one of the, this was the one that was scratched in the morning, as opposed to the two that were scratched at the gate, including the odds-on favorite, Valiant Force, sending that into, into conflict. I was surprised, Larry, to see Cuban Thunder back at 8-1 to one in here, and I was intrigued by him. But why did you choose this race? Okay, I chose this race because this is a great race. This is a typical Gulfstream race where there's five or six horses that can win. And, you know, you get all, are they racing on the turf? I mean, you have to always they're on, they're on the Gulfstream. turf as of now. They did come off yesterday. The forecast was better yeah. today. As of this second, they're on the turf. But that is something to nope. pay attention to. At least they have the tapita option, so it's not as bad as cutting it up and going to dirt. But that is something to pay attention to. As of now, we just have the one scratch. That's the number one, Full Nelson, who is a, a okay. you th- I know you had down as a live long shot. Uh, unfortunately, he yeah. will not be competing in this one. Uh, the field of 10 looks to be going postward as of now. But that's a great point with yeah. Gulfstream and the weather in Florida this time of year. you got to pay attention to the forecast. Okay. Well, first of all, Full Nelson is a wrestling hold. If, if you yeah, of course. Because I was going like Full Nelson, madam. Uh, 
Lord Nelson. Okay, on this race, so it's wide, wide open, and I think you must get a price. You have to, because there's just so many horses. So I dug through this, dug through this, dug through it, and I came up with the nine horse. Right now, I'm going to a rat or keys on Nomos, and it was hard to do that. I'll throw his last race was on dirt, so I throw it out. He showed speed. He quit. Uh, He's been, uh, you know, his best race was on turf. So he had um, his first race. He won easily. Probably looked like, it was Monmouth, but he looked like a good horse. Yep. Uh, then he ran over at uh, Saratoga. Broke, was in the mix in a grade three race. Stayed evenly. Then his next start at Keeneland, which we all know how hard it is again. He broke, caught wide, uh, and then didn't finish up, but it was a great two race. I think, you know, Wertheimer and Frayer, you know how good they are. And I think this horse is going to be uh, a really good price, even with a rat. I think he's going to be six or seven to one. And when I look at the other horses, you start to look at like uh, the three horse, eight to one in the morning line. Okay. He came Turfway Park on the uh, Tapita. If this race goes to Pita, by the way, I give this horse a good chance. But it's Tapita, uh, you know, is, I think that I don't know that this horse could go the distance now. Probably be he's not going to get the lead and just run away like he did last time. So then you look at Cuban Thunder. Uh, by the way, I don't like the six or seven, the two favorites. Don't like them. I don't like them. Uh, and I look at Cuban Thunder. He made a hell of a move. Uh, looks you know, looks like he could be there with a fast pace. Uh, his race before that, he was at the Breeder Cup Juvenile, so obviously a little bit over his head, and that was on uh, dirt. Uh, Irish horses, I don't have to tell you, that they're, they're turf specialists. So if this goes on the turf, this horse at 8-1 to one has a great shot. I didn't like the 10. And the 11, you know, you have Sappy Joseph Jr., Took over another horse. I mean, how good is this guy? He's just, he's an incredible trainer. And all of a sudden he got uh, Kenneth Ramsey. Everybody knows Kenneth Ramsey. Lead him in, Ken. (laughs) And, you know, and uh, doing well for him. And this horse came from far back. Slid horses, ran a really good race. And I expect this horse with Paco Lopez uh, to be in the mix and come closing at the end. So, uh, I'm there with the outside. I usually don't like betting outside horses. I like inside, but I'm, I'm eight, nine, eleven. That box. What do you say? I'm with Cuban Thunder. I think I tip my hand. You know, this horse. I really liked the run last time. Thought that was maybe a little bit of a premature move, and that's why flattened out late. And just going back to um, the fact that the horse was didn't do any running, but was thought enough of to compete at the Group Two level overseas even the group one level overseas i think if this horse runs back to um to to the good form like that race from dundalk i think would be very very competitive in here i'd happily sign up for eight to one i'm curious to just drill down with you a little bit more on cugino because that was one that i was also eyeing as a possible exact partner for cuban thunder i thought the first race was pretty strong given that this is McGahee and they almost always improve. And I just, I thought showed a, a touch of class. And I like the fact that the horse was bet a little bit on debut. What is it you didn't like about Cugino? 
Well, you know, I think the horse, I mean, I'm, it's not a horse like, oh, this horse has no chance or right. whatever. I just, when a horse wins his maiden special weight by a nose, right? Now he's going up against much better horses than he was. Uh, he ran at Aqueduct, even though he got an 82 buyer. You know, uh, I always take that with a grain of salt. Based upon his breeding, twirling candy out of Kitten's Joy, I don't know, it doesn't scream to me that this horse is going to be good uh, moving up in class. And again, Aqueduct is not as, is on turf in the November. It's not as turf. It's not the same as Gulfstream yeah. in an allowance race in the, in the winter. Oh, I get it. It's so, a big step up. It's a big step up for sure. And to further your point, seven have come back to run out of that Cugino debut, and none have won, which is one of the reasons why I think I feel pretty confident opposing with the likes of Cuban Thunder in here. But I was just curious to, to drill down a little more, because I think a lot of people will look at this race, and they'll get to Cugino, and they'll stop, and they'll say, oh, Suge's second-time starter supposed to improve. But, you know, I think you're making good points based on based on pedigree, based on the rising class, that uh, this isn't one that has to win. I probably will still throw in, in, in some exotics, but not a key for me either. Right. I mean, beyond stoked, if you talked about beyond stoked, I could see it more. That he also won by a nose. Okay. But his race was at Gulfstream. They went 133 and change. Uh, the third horse was three lanes back uh, into mischief out of a more than ready mare. They paid 450 for him. So this horse, and he had the 12 post. Tough post, too. Yeah. So first time turf. This horse I can understand. And he definitely, you know, could be there. A lot is going to have to do with the prices. You know, if I see uh, horses getting bet, I'm going against them. I want the horse that they're not playing Cuban Thunder at, at 8 to 1, going to have all my money. Even though I like Nomos, if Cuban Thunder at 8 to 1, uh, this horse looks like a great horse at that price. Do you know? Do you recognize this uh, jockey Egan? I don't really know. Him. Yeah, David Egan. He rides. He's. I've actually met him. He's a really nice guy. He he rides in uh, uh, rides in the UK a lot and has had uh, has had success at the highest levels over there. And like a lot of like a lot of riders we're seeing in California and Florida, rather than stay in forty degree drizzly weather in England all winter and riding the all weather there, they've come to the sunny climes of uh, Florida and California. And yeah, and Egan's been having some some success. But yeah, he's he's very talented and a, and a nice young man as well. Okay, great. So I think it's a very open race. Uh, I picked it because I think it's uh, really, really interesting. You may have convinced me to go off a no and go to Cuban Thunder. <laughs> you can bet them both. You you know, don't, I don't know if I want that kind of yeah. pressure, Larry. You can bet them both. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to use probably box exact is here using the horses we talked about. And my bet is the six is not going to be there. I don't like them. I like it. So if you win next 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 week, you can just make so much fun of me, and I will accept it. Like <laughs> well, the good sport I am. Hey, you got a, a opposing favorites, and having them win is not really an embarrassment. It's something. It's something necessary that has to happen. You know what I mean? If you don't, if you don't pass some winners, you, you're playing too many races. And and I hear your logic for trying to oppose Cugino here. Sounds like you might find some ways to throw a little bit of seven in the mix, but mostly nine, eight, and eleven to close things out. That's correct. All right, my All man. Right. I know you got to get to the track, and I got to get this show yeah. posted. So I think we should leave it here. But this was a lot of fun. The time flew once again. Look forward to doing it again next week. Any closing thoughts for the people? Yes. Thank you, Pistol. I love doing this. 
And uh, my main thing is I want to give out winners to the gamblers because even though you know I own racehorses, I am at at heart I'm a gambler, and I will always make sure that when my horses are in a race, they are 100% ready. Because I used to hate if I bet a horse <laughs> and I didn't think the horse was 100% ready, so I will never do that to the betting public to the extent that I have control over anything. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, All right Larry, take, thank you so much care, for Larry. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>